So I guess, uh, I guess I just need to work on that. Amen. But as we mature, as we grow older in the things of God, and we we mature as individuals. We have to realize and understand what it is. What's it going to matter when you go home to be with the Lord? What are we going to leave behind? Well, you know, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about from the the time you were born until the time that you go home and be with the Lord? Have you ever thought about what your epitaph would be? Would you ever thought about what that little dash in the middle of those dates would do and would represent? I want to talk with you a little bit about sacrifice for a generation. And we're, we're, we're beginning to start moving into what God wants for us. We know what God wants for us. We know the situation that we're in. But I, I think that some of us don't realize the urgency of the season that we're in. And I, I think that even sometimes we don't realize how difficult the situation that we're in. How these young men and women like, like Erica and this millennial generation... But I want us to look at this, and I've given you that handout because this is not something I want you to leave on your seat when you leave. I want you to take it with you. There's a lot of times we have a handout, and all of a sudden you leave, and we come back through and pick up about ten of them. Obviously, that just tells me that it wasn't important to you, but I don't know what it tells God. So I want you to understand that we're giving this to you because I want you to look over it. This is a very sobering time, and I want us to look at it this way. But I want you to know that God's got a way. Say that. God's got a way. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God's got a way. Because when I talk about this tonight or today, we're going to begin to start seeing some things. And and what's going to happen is you're going to feel like there's no hope. But when you start feeling like there's no hope, I want you to know that God's got a way. So when you start feeling that way, I want you to say to yourself, but God's got a way. So I want us to begin to look at this. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. Now, we know that we have an enemy. Whether you realize it or not, there is a heaven, there is a hell, there is, there is good, there is evil, there are angels, there are demons, there is God, and there is Satan. There is, and we do have this enemy. And he, 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 he walks around like a roaring lion. And I've heard a a lot of times, even me and my ignorance have said, well, you know, he's like a roaring lion, but he doesn't have any teeth. I've said that out of my ignorance, not knowing. But you know what? The enemy is tearing some people up. And he's he's wreaking havoc in the earth. And, And you know what? So he's got some teeth. And there's some things that we've got to understand and realize. And if we're going to make a sacrifice for a generation, I want us to begin to look at some things and realize that we do have an enemy. You do have an enemy that wants to get you off track. Told you this morning, don't go to church. How many of you heard that? Now raise my hand. (laughs) You know, you don't have to go to church. You don't want to go there because you know what? It's just going to be the same old thing, the same old thing. But how many of you know when we come expecting the Spirit of God, He moves? Amen? Let's give the Lord some praise for what He's already doing in your heart and in your mind today. I want us to look at some things because our nation is at a crossroads. The builder generation from 1927 to 1945, there were 65% Bible-based believers, 65% in this generation. The boomer generation from 1946 to 1964, that's the generation that I'm in. I was born in 1960. I'm on the tail end of that generation. There is 35% Bible-based believers. 
These are true statistics, not just statistics that says how many of y'all are Christians and 80 or 90% of Americans say they are, but they don't vote that way. They don't act that way. And they sure don't fill the churches. Come on, somebody. So when we begin to look at this, we begin to realize that I'm part of this boomer generation. And there's 35% Bible believers. The buster generation, let's look at that. From 1965 to 1983, there's this generation, and they're called the busters. And we have now gone from 65% to 35% to 16% Bible-based believers. Now, the next generation is the millennials or the bridgers. The millennials are born in 1984 or later. How many of you are born at 1984 or later that are in here? Okay, look around. Hey, guys, y'all born? Okay, these are, these are the millennial generation. Thank you, you can put your hands down. The, this, this generation, at the current statistics, at the current rate, is going to be 4% Bible-based believers. So, well, what did we do? Where did this come from? How did this begin to happen? As you sacrifice for a generation, as you have an understanding of what God wants to do, let's take a look at the baby boomers. Let's just take a look at my generation. How many of you are in this generation from, from 1946 to 1964? Look around. Just keep your hands up and just look around. This is our generation. You can put your hands down now. Thank you. This is our generation. The baby boomer generations are 35%. We've gone from 65% to 35% born-again believers, Bible-based believers. And here's what we have allowed to happen. Morally corrupt films and television programs. We've watched morality not be on the forefront. Another thing that we've done is we've got increasingly perverted music industry. We brought it in. We allowed it to come in. We even promoted it. How about this? The pornographic invasion of the Internet. When we go down in history as a baby boomer generation, these are gonna, this is going to be what's between our dash of 1946 to 1964. How about this? Civil initiatives promoting gay marriage. We've allowed that to happen. How about this? The battles to remove the Ten Commandments from the public places. How about fights to take under God off the Pledge of Allegiance or out of the Pledge of Allegiance? That's what, that's what we know that we've done. This is what we've been involved in, our baby boomer generation. We need to know what is happening in the youth culture today. Unless you're close to it and you, don't have, and you have a youth, you, and even if you have a youth, you may not even know what's going on in the culture. It may not be going on in your home. It may be going on in your home. But I want us to begin to look at this. We cannot allow our young people to be trained by the enemy any longer. Let me say that again. We cannot allow our young people to be trained by the enemy any longer. They have been brought up. We've put them in front of a television and said, this will be your babysitter for the next three or four hours. And I'm telling you, the enemy has used the airways through television to change the values and the morals in your children. Let's take a look at some televisions and movies. Let's take a look at that. MTV videos. If you look at MTV, I remember, man, when, when, when MTV first came out, I remember looking at it. I remember being involved in it. I remember watching it. It was clean stuff on MTV, believe it or not. 
There wasn't a lot of stuff that was telling us what to buy and how to buy and what to dress and how to dress. They were just music videos. They just took the videos that you, I mean, the songs that you heard on television and they put some video to it and, and they showed it, on, uh, showed it on the TV. We thought it was pretty cool. And then after probably three or four years, things began to change. I began to look at it differently and, and God began to move in our lives and we began to start seeing some things on, on the television and the movies. Well, through these MTV videos, 22.4% portrayed overt violence. How many of you really believe that our society has gotten more violent than it was even 20 years ago? I wonder why. Well, 22.4% portray that violence. 20% of all rap videos portrayed violence. 20%. 25% of all music videos depicted weapon carrying. You know, who would have thought that we would have to worry about... People bringing weapons in school. Who would have thought that we would have had, had to have armed guards at school, metal detectors at school? I mean, us in the boomer generation, did we ever think that? I mean, you know, you, you might be able to look at that and understand and realize that the builder generation, when they talked about what the issues were at school, it was chewing gum, maybe carrying a pencil, you know, in the wrong way, or, or maybe running in the halls. And, our, and ours was, was, you know, it was a little more than that. We had people smoking pot and fights that were going on and all sorts of stuff like that. But it was never people carrying a weapon. I never would have thought I was going to go into high school and be concerned about whether or not I was going to come out of high school that day because somebody came in and shot the place up. Come on, somebody. Sixteen-year-old teens view 10,000 acts of violence each year. Listen to this one. 18,000 hours viewed by the time they graduate from high school. Is that a lot? Well, it's over 5,000 more hours than their 12 years of classes. Between TV and video games, the average teen spends as many as 35 to 55 hours a week in front of a screen. Well, you know, that's just late night hours and things of that nature. No, it's not just late night hours. It's the family hour. Let's take a look real quick. Let's take a snapshot of the family hour. I mean, I remember there were times when I was a kid and we lived in upstate New York and I'm the youngest of five and, and we would gather together. And then some of you may have remember this. And I remember it was on a Sunday night. We didn't watch TV all the time. First of all, there were many times we didn't have a TV. And we got a TV, and we had a TV, and there was the, the, the Disney, wonderful world of, of Disney was coming on. And it was a movie that they would show. And we would gather together, and we would sit there, and we would watch the movie, and we would have popcorn, and we would spend some family time. But before that, you know, we were probably outside playing baseball. Come on, somebody, riding go-karts, doing something on the outside. Now, I always give my mom a hard time, bless her heart, you know, because she would, she would get us all together and she said, it's time for you guys to go outside. It didn't matter if there was four foot of snow on the ground or not. She told us to get dressed and get outside. And we said, Mama, when we come back in? She said, when I tell you to. And we would spend all day out there. I mean, we'd dissect bugs, we'd get in snowball fights. I mean, there were just different things that we would have to do. And then a lot of times she wouldn't let us come in the house until we got cleaned up. So we ended up in the, in the basement for a while, amen? I don't know about you, but you probably don't have that nowadays. But check out the family hour. More than eight sexual incidents per hour, you'll see. 
15,000 sexual references a year. 70%, 70% of all primetime program depicted alcohol, tobacco, and illicit drug use. This is our primetime TV. This is when you gather the family and you think you're going to sit down there. Beer and wine companies, listen, spend annually over $2 billion. Say that, $2 billion. So what they're doing is we've got an abstinence commercial. And it shows one time, and then you got 40 beer commercials or 40 sexual uh, you know, uh, commercials not to drink, don't do drugs, and then you got 40 other commercials that are telling you to do it. 40 to 1, 40 to 1. We don't spend that amount of money on abstinence. We don't spend that amount of money on, on anti-drug commercials. So where our kids are being bombarded, you are being bombarded by the same messages. How about music? Well, let's take a look at music real quick. Because if we're going to have to sacrifice for a generation, we're going to have to realize that the kids hear over a thousand times a day filthy words. Filthy words a thousand times a day. I wanted to... I wanted to share with you real quick. Who creates our entertainment? The Hollywood folks do, right? They decide what you watch, what you don't watch. They can make you watch a show just by showing you some clips. How many of y'all going to see a movie just because you've seen the clips of the movie? And then it, you spent your money and you went to watch it. And then you realize that the, the clips they showed you were the best parts of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> they showed it to you. Listen to this. These are some statistics. In addition to regular television programming, our people, our young people, see about 20,000 commercials a year, uh, 2,000 peddling beer and wine. For every rather drab anti-drug commercial that they may stumble on, they'll be thoroughly entertained, they said, by 25 to 50 clever beer and wine ads. The ad campaigns have got to be perfectly riveting because the alcohol manufacturers want their money's worth. They spend a lot of money in research and development. Who creates all this entertainment? Sociologists conducted a survey of 104 Hollywood's elite. 104 of Hollywood's elite asking the most influential writers, producers, these ideological questions, and here's what their findings showed. Listen to this. 93% seldom or never go to worship services. 97% believe in a woman's right to abort. 5%, 5% show that they strongly agree that homosexuality is wrong. In other words, 95% say it's all right. 16% agree that adultery is wrong. 99% believe, 99% believe that television should be more critical of Judeo-Christian values. Putting down the Christians. Making fun of the Christians. Nielsen Media Research tells us one of the highest rated television shows among girls, 12 to 17 years old, is Will and Grace. A show portraying two lead characters as homosexuals. For the boys in the same age group, The Simpsons. Now I know that the youth here are... They think The Simpsons is funny. I think it's stupid. It makes fun of the male. Homer's a jerk. I mean, have anybody seen that show? 
I mean, if you look at it from a moral standpoint, Homer's a jerk. I mean, that guy can't even, I don't even know how he can find his way out of the bathroom. Is that your, the view of your dad? That's what, they're, that's what they're showing. He said, it tops the list and the program is famous for de-denigrating parental authority. Nielsen also estimates that 13.9 million kids ages 2 through 17 were watching the 2004 Super Bowl when Janet Jackson experienced her wardrobe malfunction. 13.9 million kids saw that. They saw it. On December 10,000, or excuse me, December 10th, 2003, there were 2 million kids ages 2 through 17 were watching the Billboard Music Awards when Fox failed to bleep out, excuse me, the F word. Failed to bleep it out. Now, how do you miss something like that? Millions of kids heard it. You can look at the music industry and you can begin to see they hear filthy words a thousand times a day. And we're wanting to know, where did they get that from? Well, maybe it ought to be the iPod. Maybe you need to be listening to what's going through that iPod. Come on, we're parents. Let's parent. Well, you, your kids have messed up. Yeah, they messed up. I'm not been the perfect parent. But it still doesn't mean that we can't grab a hold of this generation and, and turn what has taken place, where the enemy has brought forth devastation and destruction. we got to get involved in it. I hope you're hearing me today. What about video games? Anybody? I like video games. I play video games. There's seven billion dollar industry. Now all of, all of us that don't know much about video games, that don't really pay much attention to video games, that just let your kids just play video games, oh, he's over at Johnny's house. What are they doing? Playing video games? Oh, it's okay. Is it? Seven billion dollar industry. Players are rewarded for dreaming up robberies, killings, and effective ways to solicit prostitutes. Do you want to know what's in some of the video games? The youth are over there going, don't tell them. There's a video game called Grand Theft Auto, and you guys have played it. You hit people. You run them down. You can take a club and you can beat them. They kill people in these video games, right? Well, there's even a place that you can get into a video game and you can have sex with a prostitute in the video game. Listen to me. I'm not trying to be off color here. I'm trying to be real. In a video game, you can actually feel, if you're, if you're doing NASCAR, you can feel the vibration of the car and there's an accident in it. shows that. What do you think it does when you're having sex with a prostitute? You can actually have... Sex with a prostitute in a video game? Yes. See, but you know what? They're little John, they're over at Johnny's house. Johnny's parents aren't paying much attention to what their video game they're playing. Do you understand? You've got to realize and understand how important this is. Let me share with you. Let's see if I can find it here. I was, I was reading something right here. Here it is. Grand Theft Auto. Intense violent language 
may include mature sexual themes. Players become gangsters by, by, by getting their kicks by stealing cars. They can relieve the tension of killing other players' characters by hiring prostitutes, relieve the tension, and to have sex with them in the cars. The sex is off-screen but conveyed by, uh, by moaning and groaning, the cars rocking and the vibration of the gamepad. There are kids, and this book will tell you about it. There are kids that says, we played the game by day and lived the game by night. There was a murder from where, where a kid actually broke into this lady's house and took a bedpost and beat her to death. And when they interviewed him, they realized that he played this game, and guess what his favorite weapon was? A baseball bat in this game. Don't think that we don't imitate what we see on the screen. We do. We do. How about the internet? Let's take a look real quick at the internet. The average user or youth spends about three hours per day online. Almost double of 1.7 hours of watching television. There's over 300,000 pornographic websites. 300,000 pornographic websites. 20%. One in five, and I believe this is going up, children ages 10 through 17 who regularly use the Internet have received a sexual solicitation while online. This is some t- statistics that came from the, the, um, the division of, of exploited and missing children to where they're finding that children are being solicited and they're coming up missing. There's people hitting on them. Are you with me? Look, I remember one time Rachel was in school and, and they went in and they were just getting on the internet. They were learning about the internet. And, and they came, she came home. She was so excited. She said, you know what? Today we went through and we looked at the White House. We looked at the red room and the blue room and we looked at the Oval Office and everything else. And she was like, I'll go to show you. So she goes to the, to the, uh, the office that we had and in the computer she pulls up White House and all of a sudden she starts yelling, Mom! 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 She, she Googled or keyed in the word White House and a pornograph- pornographic website came up. It was there. And um, how many of you know when you see it, it's not as if you can close your eyes and say, disappear. In fact, just the opposite. You close your eyes and you can still see it. That's why we need to be washed by the Word of God. We need to be cleansed by the Word of God. I'm telling you, there is an urgency here. I want to show this video to you. I want to see if we can get this. I want to show this video to you. I want to get a hold of this thing. Drugs, marijuana, crack, 
alcohol. I've been into all of it. That was it. I just couldn't take it anymore. You don't expect it to be something that's addicting, and it. And every time you do it, you hate it. But then you wake up in the morning and you realize that your sheets are bloody. You didn't even expect. You didn't even know you were doing it. What will you sacrifice for a generation? Do you realize what's taking place out there? Let's take a look at Psalms 144. I want us to, to read it together. <clears throat> Psalms 144. Let me put it up. Let's read this together. I've got it on the screen. Let's, let's, let's read it together. Ready? Read. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. I just want you to know it's time to go to war. It's time for us to stop sitting around and giving somebody else an excuse why this generation, excuse my language, I've always heard this before, is going to hell in a handbasket. Now, I don't know what a handbasket is. Some of you that are from a different generation might be able to tell me about that. I don't know what that is, but I've heard that expression before, and it's very real. Let's take a look at, at 2 Timothy verses 2 and 3, or verse Chapter 2, verse 3. Let's read this together. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Listen to me. The kids can laugh and joke and goof about it. But it's a serious deal. Alright? I look at these kids and, and, and some of them are going off to college. And I'm thinking, Lord, are they just in line, in a slaughter line, waiting for some professor, anti-Christian uh, uh, for abortion professor to tell them how life is supposed to be. We've got it in our schools here. It's in our school system. Come on, somebody. Coming against the Word of God, coming against God and creation, teaching evolution, trying to have them doubt what they believe. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. It says, For our weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses or pulling down strongholds. Our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. Look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. We'll put it up here real quick. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, and violent men take it by force. I'm telling you, it's the kingdom of God that's suffering violence. And it's going to be up to you to say, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that, and I'm going to take it back. My question is, is will you join the fight? 
1 Timothy 6.12, I think I've got that on your notes. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life which you were called. And you made your good confession as the presence of many witnesses. We know that Ephesians 6.11 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and wicked spirits in high places. And I want us to understand it's a battle that we are up against. But I want you to know that God's got a way. Say that, God's got a way. So we have seen today where we were looking at statistically, just statistically, 65%, 35%, what, 19%, and then all of a sudden, or 16%, and then all of a sudden we drop down to 4%. What is that 4% going to look like? What is it going to look like? I'm going to tell you what it looks like. It, there, there are nations now that have 4% Bible-believing Christians, and it is legal for a 42-year-old male to solicit a 12-year-old male to have sex with him. It's legal. That's what a 4% nation looks like. No values, no morals, and it concerns me. I guess the question is, is I want to make sure that you understand the urgency of the hour. Let's take a look at the urgency of the hour. We've, we've got to understand, we've got to start sounding the horn. You know, 4% will be evangelical Christians. Let me just review this. 70% come to Christ before the age of 20. When they get to be 20 years old, it's harder for people to come to Christ. We have a five to seven year window in order to reach this generation. And I want you to know that our nation is at a crossroads. And we're not going to get off this thing. We're going to stay on this thing. We're going to work on this thing because we have a battle plan. Somebody say battle plan. Let's take a look at this battle plan that we've got. We've got strategic uh, battle plan that we're going to begin to put together. Number one is awareness and engagement. We're trying to make you aware of the problem. There is a problem. Don't be like uh, the terminology of, of an ostrich, putting your head in the sand and thinking there's no problem. There is a problem. There is a crisis. So we want to be able to make you aware of it. We want to engage and get you engaged. The second thing is we need to realize the seriousness of the moment. We need to be serious about this. We need to be methodical about this. We need to take some different steps in order to change this course. The other thing is I want you to know that all of us can do something. No matter where you're at, what you're doing, what skills you have, or where skills you think you lack, you can do something. You have a part in this. The other thing is we begin begin to prepare our youth ministry. Our youth ministry is now under preparation. We're beginning to bring in teaching. We're beginning to, beginning to pray. We're beginning to fast. We're beginning to call out this, 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 um, this generation. We're beginning to make some differences. We're beginning to develop leaders in the youth realm. The other thing is, is the last thing is that we need to begin to capture their hearts. We've got to capture the hearts of this generation. Well, how do we do it? Well, we're going to be able to do it with technology. The church is never going to be able to stay up with the world in technology. Doesn't mean we can't utilize technology, but I'm telling you what, if a beer company can spend $2 billion a year on advertisement, what about if we ran a church ad? Would you all come up with $2 billion for us to run a church ad? See what I'm saying? And we were like, wait a minute, can we do that? I don't know, it seems pretty undaunting, but there are some ways that we can do this. And I want us to look at some ways. Here's what I want you to understand. We need to take action. Somebody say, take action. Here's what I want you to understand, and this is where we're stepping out right now. We're going to begin to take action on this thing. We're going to begin to look at this thing in a different way. I want, we are starting some battle cry groups. Say that. Battle cry groups. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, get signed up for a battle cry group. Well, pastor, I know all you're doing this is to get us all signed up. You're absolutely right. I want every single person to go through this battle cry group. I, want, I don't want you to be left out. There are some of you that have already been through the battle cry groups. We are starting this battle cry group. Do you want to do something about this? No, no, I don't think you heard me. Do you want to do something about this? I mean, because look, my Bible tells me that, that through Christ, all things are possible to him that believes. And I believe we can turn this generation. I believe this generation can be the generation. Maybe it's the generation that ushers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I believe this generation, a radical generation, God has a radical plan and a radical purpose for them. Nazarite vows, being John the Baptist, this generation will be able to stand up and say, you know what? Drugs and alcohol might be cool for you, but it ain't cool for me. And it's not pleasing to my Lord, my God, and my Savior. And I'm going to save myself for the person that I'm going to to be married to did you see the statistic on how many kids a day eight thousand kids a day get a sexually transmitted disease hello not a year not a month but a day there 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 are, there are groups focus groups that they've actually interviewed and that when kids watch sexual things on television it stirs them up sexually all I know is that sometimes when I see them kissing and stuff on TV, I want to kiss them with my wife. Come on, and if it affects you, you think it doesn't affect them? Hello? So what we're doing is we're, we've got a plan. We've got a plan, and this is the battle plan. We want you to purchase a book. I don't want you to purchase it. I want you to purchase it and read it. A lot of times, I've got books. I've got books sitting there on my bookshelf. I haven't read them. I told, told Pastor Virginia the other day, I'm not purchasing no more books. I'm going to read the ones I got. Amen? I want you to purchase this book and read it. I want to get you signed up for a battle cry group. I have got some clipboards that I'm going to, I'm going to ask every person to sign up. And then what we're going to do is from August 19th to September 30th, this is on a Sunday afternoon from 1.30 to 3.30. You know how we've had our ministry classes? We're going to ask you to come and be part of a battle cry group. It's a small group. It's a battle cry group. We're going to have maybe 10 or 12 people at the most in this group. And we're going to go for an hour and a half. And we're going to read the book. We're going to talk about the book. We're going to watch some videos. We're going to have some interaction with what's taking place. And we're going to get a greater understanding of what's going on out there. We have sat back for too long. We've sat back and allowed the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. And now we're looking at a nation where we don't understand. Everybody's bipolar. We got depression running rampant. We've been giving kids antidepressant drugs since they were in the sixth grade. And we don't understand why they're, they're not productive adults because they've been drugged most of their life. Come on, somebody. So what we're asking you to do is to be part of a battle cry group. We're going to break down in different groups all over this building. We're going to have different groups. And we're going to, we're going to ask you to be part of that. I want you to participate. I want you to attend all six sessions. Now, if you'll look at that, April, August 19th through September 30th is actually seven weeks. We're going to take a break on the Labor Day weekend and not have the groups because I know a lot of times a lot of you are doing other things and you got family members in and things to that nature. So we're going to take a break that week. So we're going to go a couple weeks, take a break, and then come back for four weeks. So I want you to get signed up today 
for a book. I mean, for, for, for a battle cry group. And then we're going to come in. We've got people that have already gone through this. Some of our leadership, we've already brought them through this. There's been another group that's already been brought through this. They've been aware, they're aware, they've been engaged, and they're saying, you know what? It's time to go to war. I mean, we declared war on debt on September 15th in 2004, and we're declaring war on the enemy and, and, and stealing our generation. I believe this generation is going to be a fantastic generation. Hey, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, The plans I have for you declares the Lord. Not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. God has a hope for this generation. And I think about, you know, Erica being able to go over on a missions trip. You know, we begin to start looking at our, our time, our efforts, and all of the things that we've got to do. And we can begin to start putting money into this program and that program. It's not about a program. It's about reaching our youth for Christ. It's about changing those numbers statistically. I guess the question that I've got to ask you is, will you join us? Will you be involved in this? Will you get involved in this? Will you sit down and read this book? The statistics I read to you out of this book, they're staggering. It's sobering. All I want you to know is I read this book, and it messed me up. It messed me up. I felt guilty. I felt ashamed. I felt responsible for what we've done in my generation what we've allowed the kids to have and to go through and to deal with. And we're looking at our kids now, and, and they're struggling. They're struggling in a lot of different areas in their life, and we're wondering why they're struggling. This is going to bring us information on why we're struggling. I'm going to ask you to play something. I want to ask you today, you know what, Sarah, if you will, why don't you go out and man that table? We've got some books available. They're $15. If you'll give a $15 donation... To, then get this book. I want you to go home and start reading it. One more thing before we leave, before we do this. Lou Engle at the call. That next morning I got up and I was hoarse. And I was bobbing like this. And I was almost like talking about Lou Engle. I mean, when you, when, when you see him, I mean, he's just so intense, you know. And I got up and Shelly's like, what's the matter with your voice? I felt like I was Lou Engle. And I was ready to get this thing going. But he said one thing that exploded in me. He mentioned a 21-day turnoff. A 21-day turnoff. And I was petitioning the Lord about it ever since. And I got an answer this morning. I got up early and, and I was in the, my office praying. And I, and, I, and I want us to, if you'll participate, you know what, those that are going to participate will understand what I'm saying. I want us to go starting the 23rd of this month, it's a Monday, for 21 days and turn off the television. Listen, turn off your computers. Turn off your cell phones. Except for, I know some of you are like, well, I got business. I'm not talking about you've got to do your business. How about the youth? If they went 21 days without texting. Hey, we're at a time of signs, wonders, and miracles. When they can have three to 5,000 texts a month, a month, they're spending a lot of time texting. All I'm asking is that, what about if we said, Pastor, you're right, and this is exploding in my spirit too. I come home every evening, and I just sit down in the recliner, and I'm a zombie before the screen. And I watch the screen until I go to bed at night. You know, the 65% generation didn't have TV all the time. 
There were times they sat around and listened to the radio. But I want you to understand and realize that if we'll take 21 days, Stephen Covey in his, in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, talks about 21 days to create a habit. And it takes six months for you to own it. Listen to me. If you can do it for 21 days, and instead of watching movies and eating popcorn at night, you sought the Lord. 21 days. 21 is a number of honor. Do you know when they have a president that dies, they have a 21-gun salute? We will honor the Lord with 21 days. Look, this is a guts church. You've got to have guts to be part of this fellowship. This is not for the faint at heart. This is not for the wimpy. This is for the strong. And I want God to develop strength in you. There was, there was, we've done 40 days of prayer and fasting. A testimony real quick. 40 days of prayer and fasting. And I know of a young man who fasted television for 40 days. And it was about 20 days into it. He said, Pastor, you would not believe this. I didn't realize how good a time I could have with my two boys. He turned off the television and was able to develop a relationship with his sons. He didn't realize that that was holding their relationship. One of the best times that we've had in our house, personally for me, was when we lost electricity. And we played games. And we came together as a family. As soon as electricity went back on, one went to this way, one went that way, we went that way. We're back on the computer, back watching television. So what about if we took July 23rd and said for the next 21 days, leading up to the battle cry groups, sought God. I believe that on my computer, I've emailed somebody and they've and an email came back to me and it said, um, basically, um, I'm on vacation and I won't be back until such and such a time. How powerful would it be when somebody emailed you if you said, I'm in a 21-day turnoff and I'm not going to be on my computer until such and such a time. I'm seeking the Lord. Will you join the fight? That's what I'm asking you today. Listen, I don't want you to join it because you're emotionally charged right now. I want you to join it because you got to gain information. The Bible says two things why people perish. He said, number one, my people perish for, for without a vision, my people perish. And the other thing it says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. We don't know what we're doing to this generation. You think if I knew what I was doing to this generation, I would have done the things that I did? Why can't we change that? Well, I'm going to pray and we're going to dismiss today. We're going to have prayer teams available to you if you want to pray. I want you to join the fight. I want you to get signed up for Battle Cry. You're going to come in here on Wednesdays. You're going to come in here on Sundays. You're going to hear about Battle Cry, Battle Cry, Battle Cry. I'm going to be calling you, talking to you about the Battle Cry. We're going to give you more information about the Battle Cry. You're going to begin to look about the Battle Cry. You're going to say, Battle Cry. You're going to be so charged up. And that Battle Cry Sunday, you're going to come in ready to go. You're going to say, baby, give me that. Bring it on. I want to know what the enemy's doing so I can come against him. I want to know defensively how to stop him from moving forward. I want to, I mean, we, they do that with football teams. 
They have coaching staffs that study the, the tendencies of a football team. And we can study those tendencies. And we know what the enemy's doing and how he's doing it. And we can do something to change something. I want some people that are radical for Christ. I want to get wild about it. I was wild about it when I was in the world. When I was serving the devil. I was pretty wild, pretty radical then. I'm going to be radical for God. And then when I meet my Lord and Savior, it ain't going to be, well, you're one of them radical Christians, are you? He's going to say, well done, that good and faithful servant. He ain't even going to know. In fact, radical to him, we aren't even close to that. We can get so radical, the people, other people think y'all are the radical church. We aren't even close to being radical to God. God sent his only son to die for you, to die for that generation. 33 million youth in the next five to seven years are going to be hitting 20, 21 years old. And here's another thing that the Spirit of God spoke to me. How many of you are part of that baby boomer generation? You know what they say about our baby boomer generation? We're the richest generation on the face of the earth. Where's that money going to go when you die? It's going to go to those 33 millennials. 33 million millennials on that inheritance when you die and your money is going to be dealing with 4% believing Christians unless we do something about it. I want my money going into godly heritage. I want my inheritance laid up for the righteous and the just to come forth. Amen? I want to look at where I spend my money, where I spend my time, what I'm doing, because I'm telling you, this is a war. And God is calling us to a dividing line and saying, you're going to draw a line in the sand and where are you going to go? I've had people say, well, I drew a line in the sand and then I slipped and fell in. Well, draw a line in the sand and take two steps backwards and draw another one and that's where you go. Are you with me? Will you be part of this? You've got, you've got to ask the Spirit of God because this is, this is serious. And we're going to go after it. We're going to have a blast. We're going to have a wonderful time serving God, getting information. And we've got this battle plan together. Will you stand to your feet this morning? I want you just to ask and check in with the Holy Spirit. I just want you to bow your head and just close your eyes a moment. We're... I want you to take some action today. The Bible tells me that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. your time, your talents, and all of your resources should belong to the Lord. We got to get away from the enemy just going to say, well, you're just trying to force your opinion on everybody else. Let's just pray. Father, we just ask you. Lord, if, this is, if, if I'm one of the chosen ones, if I'm one of the ones that are called, if I'm one of the ones that are the bride of Christ, then God, I, I need help. If that's you, I want you to make that commitment to the Lord this morning that you're going to go through this group. It's going to be on a Sunday afternoon from 1, 1.30 to 3. Well, I'd like to learn it, and then I'd like to have another group. 
That's part of the plan. Our, our plan is that when you go through it, you'll be able to take your family members through it. If they want to go through it. Neighbors, friends, business workers. You can have small groups in your home if you want to. You can have them here at the church. You can have them at a coffee shop. You can just begin to start getting the word out. Making people aware of what's going on. There's people that said, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know. When I read that book and I saw, saw statistically, these are just not figures pulled out of the air. There's research and development. These, these statisticians have taken this information and we're watching the trends of what's taken place. I want you to put your hand on your heart a moment. Just ask, Lord, is that me? Give me a heart for your generation. Give me a heart for this youth generation that's coming up. I know you might think that their hair color is funky and they do some stupid stuff. But they thought that about your generation too. God has a plan. He has a purpose for this generation. There's a shifting I'm hearing in the heavenly realms. I'm hearing youth groups that are getting away from games, that are getting away from the fluff, that the kids are saying, you know what? I want to have a Bible study. I want to sit down and read the Word of God. I want to sit down and understand the Scriptures. I want to allow the Spirit of God to grow me and shape me and mold me. They're looking for something real. We got reality TV. We got reality movies. All this reality stuff. Let's let the Spirit of God just strip us off of that stuff. And let's get real with Him. That's you today. I'm asking you to make a commitment. Not to me. Not to your husband or your wife. Not to your brother, sister, family member. Not to another brother in Christ here. But I want you to make it to the Lord. Just take one step. One day at a time. There's many of you, I know that you're saying, that's it. I'm I'm going to get involved in this thing. I'm 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 going to do this thing. And some of you are saying, you know, I I don't know, but I'll, I'll go through it. That's all I'm asking you. Be obedient to step out and say, you know what, I want to be part of a battle cry group. 